listening to the Positive Professional Podcast with your host, me, Tracy Yvonne. This podcast is a weekly conversation about all things mental health, self-care, and wellness. And there'll be sprinkles of positivity, mindfulness, and guided meditations. Welcome back to season four, episode eight. Before I get into today's topic, I would like to say happy social work month to all the social workers who are listening to this podcast. I'm a very proud New York State licensed clinical social worker, and I wanted to briefly talk about whitewashing that happens when it comes to social work history. And whitewashing refers to the practice of erasing or downplaying the contributions and experiences of people of color in the field of social work while highlighting the achievements of white social workers. This can occur through a variety of means, including omitting or minimizing the role of people of color in social work textbooks, curricula, and ignoring the ways in which racism and discrimination has shaped social work practice, and failing to acknowledge the contributions of social workers of color to the development of the profession. Whitewashing in social work history has serious consequences as it perpetuates the marginalization and erasure of people of color within the profession, and it reinforces the idea that social work is a predominantly white field. This can discourage people of color from pursuing careers in social work and limit the effectiveness of social work practice in addressing the needs of diverse communities. There have been many Black female pioneers in the field of social work who have made significant contributions, and some of them are Mary Church Terrell. Terrell was an African-American educator, suffragist, and civil rights activist who played an important role in the founding of the National Association of Colored Women, the NACW, and the National Association for the Advancement of Colored People, also known as the NAACP. She also worked as a social worker providing assistance to low-income families in Washington, D.C. Next, we have Addie Hutton. Hutton was a pioneering social worker and civil rights activist who worked tirelessly to improve the lives of African-Americans. She worked for the National Urban League. Next is Dorothy Height. Height was a social worker and civil rights activist who served as the president of the National Council of Negro Women for over 40 years. She worked tirelessly to advance the rights of women and minorities and was awarded the Presidential Medal of Freedom in 1994. Jane Edna Hunter. Hunter was a social worker and civil rights activist who founded the Phyllis Wheatley Association in Cleveland, Ohio, which provided housing, job training, and other services to African-American women. She also helped to establish the National Association of Colored Graduate Nurses. And last is Ida B. Wells Barnett. Wells Barnett was a journalist, suffragist, and civil rights activist who worked to expose the lynching of African-Americans in the late 19th and 20th centuries. She also helped to found the National Association for the Advancement of Colored People. These are just a few of many Black female pioneers in social work who've made a significant contributions to the profession 
in the advancements of civil rights and social justice in the United States. So let's get into today's topic, which is five tips for more effective conflict resolution. And conflicts are bound to happen whether at home, work, or in between. Unfortunately, what can start as something trivial can quickly escalate to something much more serious in a matter of minutes. That's why it pays to know how to effectively resolve any conflict you find yourself in. This way you can create some healthy boundaries and balance your emotions without creating unnecessary stress and anxiety. The first step in conflict resolution is to identify the source of the problem. Once you identify the issue, you can start taking the right measures towards fixing it. On the other hand, if you carry on without knowing exactly what you're feeling and how you're feeling the way that you do, you'll be angry and all worked out without really knowing why. So while it may seem like a waste of time at first, if you think about it, you can't solve any problem unless you first find the source of it. Here's another way of looking at it. When you identify the root cause of the issue, everyone involved can help strive towards not repeating the same thing in the future. And once you start to understand the underlying causes of the conflict, it's time to bring in the other person if you haven't already. The thing about conflict is that you have to nip it in the bud and address it in a timely manner so it doesn't manifest into something bigger over time. Remember that there's nothing wrong with having a difference of opinion every now and then. Yet it's how you communicate that makes all the difference in the world. However, we've all been in similar situations and it can be daunting to try and even engage in this type of discourse. Yet you have to muster up the courage and just start because sooner you deal with it, the better the outcome will be. And I'm going to share more in the next segment. Today's episode is brought to you by Ivy Elite Training. Are you looking for low-cost professional development workshops, topics like emotional intelligence, diversity and inclusion, and more? Then visit www.ivyelitetraining.com. That's www.ivyelitetraining.com.
active listening plays a big role in determining the way your conflict resolution proceeds. So you have to be patient when it's the other person's turn to speak. Show that you respect the other person's emotions and point of view. This way, they'll make it a point to try and do the same when it's your turn to speak. Now, after each person has had their chance to talk and listen, the next step is to try to find some sort of middle ground that both parties can agree on. And depending on the circumstance, you may need a pen and paper or a board to write down your ideas and then start brainstorming. Write out all the ideas that come, even the crazy ones. Those are usually the ones that lead to an effective end to the problem. And although there's one critical thing that's to always remember when working to resolve any conflict, and that's only to focus on the issue at hand, not the person. And I know at times this can be hard, but this will make the other person feel safe enough to start finding ways to solve the issue rather than always to be on a defensive or feel like they're being constantly judged. And the last thing that I'll share is to agree on the best solution. Finding common ground can be easier said than done. It requires each party to own up to their part of the conflict. Not only that, but it also means that they have to put an effort to looking for a suitable compromise. Plus, they have to take the necessary steps to resolve it and make sure it doesn't happen again. That can only take place once all parties have set clear expectations while respecting the other person's differences. Also, it's helpful to think of conflict as an opportunity to grow. When it's managed properly, it can bring great insight and help you to become more attuned to your needs and the needs of those around you. The good news is that after opening up communication lines, taking time to listen and collaborating on solutions, things only get better from there. It becomes easier to establish neutral ground where everyone feels comfortable speaking and sharing ideas. Thanks for listening and supporting this podcast and make sure you're clicking the like and subscribe button. You can also follow me on Twitter and Instagram. Stay safe, be well, and don't forget to be the best version of you.